0: Hello and welcome to 2002 A Film Odyssey, your number one podcast about the cinema of 2002. I'm one of your hosts, I'm Dan. And I'm the other host, I'm Andrew. And uh, we're here to t- today to uh, talk about Imposter, right?
1: Yeah, Imposter is the movie we're going to be talking about, which is from the year 2002. Right. Which so, is what this podcast is about, right? Right. The right, movies yeah. of two thousand two. Yeah,
0: right. So so let's let's give a little backstory on on the show, um, how we kind of arrived at this concept for a podcast. Um, we watched a lot of movies together in quarantine. Mm-hmm. Not together together, but we watched them over Zoom uh, mm-hmm. with our other buddy Travis who's and not here who's not here he'll 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 pop up from time to time because he's got opinions uh that uh, are sometimes astounding to the mind about <laughs> movies uh but we'll talk to him we'll get his we'll get his uh opinions in there Travis's take the Travis take yeah exactly and yeah he'll he'll be around at some point for sure the Van Wilder episode that's mm-hmm. going to be a heater
1: cuz he loves Van Wilder
0: right right and and we do not um, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe upon rewatch, uh, we'll find more value in it than we did before. No,
1: no. I famously <laughs> hate Van Wilder.
0: Right? Yeah we we uh, we're, we're not we're not big Ryan Reynolds heads. But anyway, back to the original story. Um, so we watched all these movies together on Zoom, and, mm-hmm. and we also had this incredibly nerdy uh, hobby of making lists.
1: Mm-hmm. Where we would go year by year we would go and year rank uh, every movie that we saw in that year in order. Yep, that's right.
0: So we we would do that for every year. And I think we went back to, what, 1940 is the furthest back we went? The, uh, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, and I think we just did the 40s altogether because neither of us had seen that many uh, movies. But... Uh, 2002 was was a real standout, because I think that was
1: the year that we had seen the most movies from in our lives. Mm -hmm. I'd I'd seen about 120, 130 movies from 2002.
0: Yeah, I'm also over 100. Um, Not sure of the exact number off the top of my head. Mm -hmm. So thus, this project was born.
1: Right. And uh, in 2002, it's... Let's talk about some some big years for movies mm-hmm. like uh we both like 2007 a lot. 2007's a big one.
0: 2007's got some of the best movies ever made. Yeah. Totally. Because
1: you got what's what's a movie? Uh
0: we got Zodiac, we got uh No Country for Old Men. No Country for Old Men. You got Assassination of Jesse James. You've got Michael Clayton. Mm-hmm. There Will Be Blood.
1: Mhm. Uh Travis would say uh Super bad and knocked up. True, true. They... <laughs> that, uh, big hot, year, hot fuzz? Big year for, yeah, hot fuzz. <sighs> big year for Apatow. Yeah, that was a wild year. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what's another big year? Uh, people like 99 a lot. Sure. Books books have been written about 1999. Sure. I mean, The Matrix alone. Mm-hmm. Um, Sixth Sense. Yep. Uh,
0: the Postman? Is that 99 mm-hmm. or 98? I'm going to say that was 97.
1: Oh, wow, way like, off. Ride, Postman, Red. Okay, <laughs> Ride, Postman, Red. Terrible uh-huh. movie. 99, a couple of my favorite movies, Magnolia and Eyes Wide Shut, Two Crews.
0: Two Crews uh, sort of going against type performances, right. which is always fun. Um, yeah, I mean, and, and I maybe it's a little more recent, but I, I think I, I hold 2019 in pretty similar esteem mm-hmm. as well. Because uh, you got uncut gems, you've got Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, you've got Parasite, mm-hmm. uh, The Lighthouse, uh, Portrait of Mids-
1: a Lady on Fire,
0: Portrait of a Lady, which I haven't seen. I've heard it's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, Midsommar, um uh, Us, Us, uh, another one I haven't seen, mm-hmm. which is embarrassing. I do own it, but I haven't watched it yet, uh, which is just in that like. I've got, like, such a large number of movies in my personal collection that I, like, buy and then don't watch. Um, and then I and then I watch, like, the dumbest shit I can find on streaming instead. I've, I've
1: got the same movies. Yeah. Like, uh, I was just telling somebody I've got the Motorcycle Diaries that I've had since 2005, mm-hmm. and I've never watched it. Right. I've never seen the Motorcycle Diaries, but I've seen, like, I don't know. The finest hour with Rob Lowe,
0: yeah, which we just watched before this record, mm-hmm. uh, entirely unrelated to this <laughs> podcast, this episode uh, in general. But uh, that was that was what we just finished before this. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking for a uh, Israeli produced uh,
1: Iraq War mm-hmm. sort of, uh, it's a Navy SEALs. Uh, I don't, know. I don't know if it's a rip-off, because I don't know if it was made before or after, but right. it came out the same year right. as Navy SEALs. Right.
0: It's it's just some, some solid, uh, cheesy, Top Gun ripoff uh, U.S. propaganda machine, uh, Desert Storm movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, starring Rob Lowe as uh, a guy named Hammer. <laughs> but
1: <laughs> Nothing to do with anything that right, we're talking
0: about. Right, right, right. We can get back on track. Um, but yeah, so... From from that sort of quarantine uh, hangout session, which was great for mm-hmm. my mental health, um, getting to hang with two of my buds, uh, you know, sometimes multiple times a week, even digitally, um, really helped sort of make it a little less uh, of a uh, arduous period.
1: We got to look at a lot of years in movies.
0: Right, right. Take and, a closer look and at and some that, of those years. And that really let us hone in on 2002 as being a high-volume year, but not necessarily a, an esteemed year. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we we named some of our favorite years uh, from, like, the last couple of decades. Mm-hmm. But 2002 doesn't really stand out all that much. Mm-hmm. But it has a lot of
1: stuff. It does have a lot of stuff. And it uh, it's almost been 20 years since 2002.
0: Right. We're coming up on the 20th anniversary. Um, I would say that uh, before this project is over, we will hit that. There's no way we're going to watch and uh, finish this project before that. No,
1: this is going to take a while.
0: Yeah, right. But uh, that's that's all the fun, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward mm-hmm. to diving in. Uh, this was also the year that you and I met. That's true. In that's, high school. That's true. That's true. Um, and, you know, we were each a couple of movie dorks we met uh, in our PE class, which mm-hmm. required little to no actual uh, physical activity. Mm-hmm. Um, just mostly considered, consisted of us uh, sitting in the gym, reading uh, the newspaper, mm-hmm. <laughs> like like a bunch of cool guys. We uh, weren't
1: expected to do anything. No,
0: no, we weren't expected. And we got, we got A's in that class. Mr. Brody didn't care. Mr. Brody did not no. care. Um so we you know, we met in two thousand and two. Uh we saw a bunch of movies mm-hmm. in two thousand and two together, uh as well as separately. Mm-hmm. Um it was a big uh Friday afternoon after school tradition to go to the movies and then
1: get uh one of our parents to pick mm-hmm. us up. Um This was uh, we would have been in uh, ninth grade going into tenth grade, right? Right,
0: right. And so into that summer. Mm-hmm. Um and
1: uh you know we we'll, we'll, we'll get into all those movies mm-hmm. um and on a fun note this mm-hmm. was uh this year started right after 911 that's true mm-hmm. that's true <laughs> uh we are recording this uh just a few days
0: after the uh uh 20th anniversary yeah. of 911 it's September 15th yeah 2021.
1: yeah 2021
0: yeah. right so uh and 911 is you know obviously You can find lots of sort of think pieces on it in general on, you know, what it did to the culture and and to uh, propaganda and sort of racism and the massive fallout of, you know, Islamophobia in this country and whatnot. Um, One thing that it definitely did and we'll get into Mm -hmm. at some point is sort of what it did to the movie industry. A lot of movies Mm -hmm. were supposed to come out closer to September 11th and ended up getting pushed back. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some movies just were written and, you know, given a green light simply for their content in light of Mm -hmm. 9-11. And then you've got movies like uh, Master of Disguise. Right. Which has one of the most famous IMDB trivia pages of all time. Uh <laughs> which
1: I don't know if we should wait till the Master of Disguise episode to talk about it, or if you should just talk about it now since you brought it up. Uh I mean we could
0: talk about it. Uh yeah. someone actually sent that in to our Twitter page, uh two thousand two podcast on Twitter, uh if you're listening to this and don't follow. Um so it's a yeah, it's a famous little anecdote uh, that actually someone just wrote an entire article on. Uh, yeah, so I'm seeing here it's uh, it's a uh, defector media. Brian Feldman wrote an entire uh, entire piece about the uh, Turtle Club scene from <laughs> Master of Disguise, which is an insane scene that if you haven't seen, uh, you should check out on YouTube. Uh, but they they were filming that insanely goofy, wacky scene um, on 9-11 and then held a uh, moment of silence uh, for the victims of September 11th terrorist attack. And um, I, I guess that, that has sort of uh, taken on a life as kind of like a meme or whatever because of the way Dana Carvey specifically is dressed for that scene. Uh, or he's dressed as a big round turtle man.
1: <laughs> and he's bald.
0: And he's bald. He's bald. And he says. <laughs> Tur- <turtle. laughs> he says turtle mm-hmm. and uh he asks if he's not turtly enough for the turtle club mm-hmm. it's a, you know, a i saw wa- that
1: movie with my dad yeah. and he wanted to see it and i didn't want to see it <laughs> well you
0: know that i mean knowing your dad that actually kind of mm-hmm. tracks um but also yeah
1: it's funny i imagine we'll talk about my dad a lot on this Yeah, sure. I saw a lot of the movies this year with my dad.
0: Both of both of us saw a lot of these movies with our respective dads, and then (laughs) not my dad, but well, I mean, I saw some of, probably saw at least one or two movies with your dad. Maybe I don't remember, but um, yeah, our dads are our dads are going to be. in play, I didn't really see that many movies with my mom.
1: Mostly just mm. my dad. Yeah, same here. Yeah, yeah. So. I saw About Schmidt with my mom, Okay. which would have been the <laughs> only 2002 movie I think. Yeah, that, uh, I saw with my mom.
0: I'll have to I'll have to get my mom's input see if she remembers uh, any of the movies that I've seen from 2002, uh, and see if uh, see if she saw them with me by chance.
1: But anyway, we have to talk about our first. Movie, That's right. So the first movie that came out in the year 2002 came out on January 4th, which was a Friday. There was only one movie that came out that day, and it was a little movie called Impostor. Uh, yeah, uh, written by, uh, David Tuey. David Tuey, uh, mm-hmm. was a guy that was brought in to do rewrites on it. Yeah. Uh. Aaron Kruger, uh, who I think did some Transformers movies maybe. Um, but, uh, and also directed by Gary mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Things to do in Denver when you're dead, guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, Kiss the Girls, and uh, Did he do He do Runaway Jury? Did Runaway Jury in 03. Yeah, like next he, year. Yeah. Uh, don't Say a Word he directed, right? Okay. Uh, well, I don't know when he directed it, In relation to this. Probably after, but it came out in 01. Okay. It was a decent hit.
0: So, this this movie has kind of a weird backstory. Right. Um, This was a short film, right? That was produced, like, what, in the... What, like, 97-ish
1: year? Yeah. So, here's what I know about it. So, I think we should start with Guillermo del Toro, who... Uh, just made Kronos. The Weinsteins were big fans of Kronos. And uh, it sounds like they approached Guillermo del Toro with a project, uh, an anthology film that was going to be three movies. And uh, one of them was going to be Mimic, which eventually became a full-length film. And then there was going to be another film, which Danny Boyle ended up filming, and then a third film which is Imposter. Right, which yeah. is you know this movie.
0: Right. And so the short film version of Imposter is actually on the DVD. Mm-hmm. Um Mimic obviously was turned into the full-length feature and then the Danny Boyle movie is just not
1: it uh it not... was filmed. Okay. Because there's some places on the the internet where they're like, oh, this movie wasn't even shot, but it was shot, Mm. and it was completed, and it's with, like, Kenneth Branagh, Courtney Cox, uh, Heather Graham, and it's about a guy who realizes his wife is an alien. Okay. Uh, And that movie has never been seen anywhere except uh, uh, an independent theater in London was closing... And part of their you know, their closing programming, they they got this movie to show. And that's okay. the only place this movie has ever been
0: screened. Okay. Alright, so so not a lot of people have seen it. Um mm-hmm. in fact like 99.9% of the world has not
1: seen it. <laughs> Alien uh, Love Triangle is what it's called. If Alien Love
0: Triangle. Okay. Alright, well. Interesting. I mm-hmm. wouldn't mind seeing that, I guess. Uh, I don't know that <laughs> we'll ever get the opportunity. But uh so the short film version of Imposter is on the DVD. We mm-hmm. watched that first, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's uh bad? Yeah, it's bad. It's not good. It's bad, but it's short. I mean yeah. ish. It's like obviously <laughs> it's a short, but it's like 30 minutes roughly. Uh and it yeah, tells 30, you
1: 38 minutes.
0: 38 minutes. It tells you everything you need to know. Right. Like it it is it, it, we should we should preface this by saying it's based on a Philip K. Dick uh, mm-hmm. short story, um, and it kind of is fairly accurate, I would guess, mm-hmm. to the Philip K. Dick short story, mm-hmm. um, at least in terms of like plot, um, and the movie, which was then ordered and finished a couple of years later, right. is basically just this weird sandwich. It's it's. Bookended by the short, which is just kind of split in half, and then they just shot a bunch of shit and put it in the yeah. middle, just shoved it in between right. two pieces
1: of uh, shortbread. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I watched the Imposter Files, which okay. is the bonus feature on the DVD. Okay, which is the making of Imposter. Very cool. Uh huh. Yeah, and the producer uh, explained that the Bob Weinstein saw the dailies for. Imposter liked him a lot and was like, "Oh, this this should be more than just a short film. This should be a full length movie." Mm-hmm. For some reason, I don't know why. Right, right. Because we watched that short. W-
0: one of one of many many baffling uh, decisions the Weinsteins mm-hmm. would be making around <laughs> that era. Sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, certainly not the worst, uh, but uh, yeah. All right, so uh, so. The, Gotta have, gotta have a full length, gotta have a
1: full length imposter, according yeah. to Bob Weinstein. Interesting. Okay. So yeah, it eventually came out uh, in uh, 2002, first movie of 2002. Mm-hmm. Dan, what do you remember about this movie coming out? Did you did you see it when it came out? Did did you see trailers? Did you read reviews?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I remember the trailers. Pretty well. Um, we saw him a lot uh, around yeah. that time. Uh, I never saw the movie. The movie it came and went. It, it got bad reviews. Uh, no one talked about it. I didn't know anybody who had seen it except me, except you. Yeah. and well, you saw mostly everything. So that wasn't you know that was pretty par for the course. <laughs> but yeah, the trailer. The trailer stuck in my mind um, because when we we first started talking about doing this show. Um, you know we we looked at the schedule and saw that the first thing was going to be Imposter and the first thing <laughs> my brain thought of uh Eve despite being 19 years later and probably 20 years since I mm-hmm. saw the first trailer yeah. was We were like uh,
1: 14 15 when right we would have seen these trailers
0: yeah uh my the first thing my brain went to was um like the big trailer line where uh, Gary Sinise, our uh, star, first time we've mentioned him, by the mm-hmm. way, Gary Sinise stars in this thing, um, says, I am Spencer Olam.
1: Right. Uh, <laughs> He's being interrogated. Right. Uh, we'll, we'll discuss the plot in a second. We'll give a quick plot synopsis. Right, right. But, yeah, I'm Spencer Olam. <laughs> is what he, says. he says it just like that. I've remembered his character name in this movie for about twenty years <laughs> right uh, for some reason
0: An embarrassing amount of real estate uh in my mind being taken up by lots of stupid stuff, but perhaps none more dumb than than remembering uh Gary Sinise's character name and yeah. imposter for more than half my life at this point mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Spencer Olam Spencer Olam yep, yep, and that I did look it up that is the character name in, in the, the original. Short story, short, yeah. yeah, um so you know, I guess they're true to true to Philip k dick mm-hmm. uh interesting guy, Philip k dick, yeah, we'll get into <laughs> we'll get into more of his stuff. It's a big year for Philip k. dick, I would say 2002. Because mm-hmm. you uh, got minority report, you got minority report this year.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, but i I remember seeing this trailer for a long time before it actually came out right i mean it seemed like i guess in
0: retrospect now that you know we know kind of its weird production and backstory yeah it was probably just one of those movies that was stuck kind of in development hell for a while Mm -hmm. probably went through like a bunch of reshoots and stuff um i mean it's kind of like um obviously this is sort of pandemic fueled but like I've been seeing trailers for the Kingsman prequel for like two years now. Mm -hmm. And that movie still doesn't come out until like Christmas day, (laughs) 2021. So that movie doesn't come out for like four more months. Right. Uh, And I've been seeing trailers for that going back to like 2019, which Mm -hmm. is wild to me. So it's kind of like that. Not, not quite so exaggerated. And obviously it's not because of a pandemic, but, um, yeah, it was just a movie that, like, for some reason,
1: I, I remember seeing that trailer so many times. Because mm-hmm. I found alternate trailers on YouTube for this movie. Mm-hmm. And at the end, it would say, like, coming 2000. So it was supposed to be wow. released as early okay. as 2000. Okay. Wow. So so it's uh, it, it, got, it got stuck for a while. Yeah. It got stuck I, I while. remember seeing the trailer before Legally Blonde. So that would have been oh, wow. like early okay. uh, 2001. Cool. So you saw Legally Blonde as like
0: a 13-year-old?
1: Yeah, I thought it was pretty good at the time, too.
0: <laughs> it's cool. I mean, I, I think uh, Legally Blonde has a lot of fans now. I've never seen it. Um, I think it was one of those movies where like as like a 13-year-old kid, I probably thought like, ew, that's a girl movie mm-hmm. or whatever. And I, I probably wouldn't like it now, but I would at least sort of understand its appeal more now.
1: You might like it. Maybe. I might, yeah. I mean, I, I haven't seen it in like a long time, yeah. But uh, it it could be okay.
0: Uh, Reese Witherspoon's great in Election. Like Election mm-hmm. is one of my favorite um, '90s movies. '99 like, movies, yeah, 1999 yeah, and a great one from '99. Um, but just in general, one of my favorite '90s, the decade movies, and uh, she's incredible in that movie. So mm-hmm. you know, maybe I'm a maybe I'm a Reese
1: head. Uh yeah, so I I saw that trailer pretty frequently before the movie came out and I remember really wanting to see it uh imposter that is, mm-hmm. because I think it uh it reminded me of the sixth day, which uh yeah, which Arnold Schwarzenegger liked a lot of the time. Another yeah. clone thriller. Yeah, that was a clone
0: thriller. thriller. That was um that was, that's much more action forward than imposter. Um yes uh obviously it stars arnold schwarzenegger who's very at the time established action star and that was kind of like a comeback movie for him right yeah like he had spent some time away um i don't that was before he was getting into politics Mm -hmm. but um i feel like i remember i remember end of days being billed as like his big comeback movie
1: 99 (laughs)
0: yeah and it's weird because there isn't that much time between End of Days and like Eraser. Right. But for some reason, I don't know why Arnold Schwarzenegger was just kind of like...
1: Yeah, he was doing movies more infrequently, like at the yeah. end of the 90s. Yeah. So, yeah, because yeah. it was like Eraser and then uh, Jingle All the Way, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, end of Days and then probably The Sixth Day. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, Simpal Cindy.
1: Mm-hmm. That's, In a, that's a six very, day thing. Very uh, creepy doll. Yeah,
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the six day is fun. It's stupid. It's very stupid. Yeah. Um,
1: Thinking about it with Imposter, it seems a lot more fun.
0: Oh, it's yeah. I mean, I I watched Imposter for this show twice actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, once last week, and then once uh, last night before the record. Um, which is not something I ever thought I would do. I never thought I would see the movie, let alone watch it twice in like a week's span. Yeah. <laughs> which is wild.
1: I saw it 20 years ago or yeah. almost 20 years ago and yeah. thought, oh, I'll never watch this movie again. Right. But I did. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, well, let's, let's get into the plot. Let's, yeah. Let's, Quick, let's talk about uh, that. So Imposter not, not a very well-remembered movie. No, definitely not a very well-regarded movie.
0: No, uh, I've I've had to explain to a lot of people who've asked about our podcast,
1: like what Imposter even is. Yeah, most people don't even remember it at all. Right, and I also don't know if we mentioned this, but we're we're watching all these movies in order of their release. Right. Yeah. Right, so we're yeah. gonna go through the whole calendar in order.
0: Yeah. If that wasn't clear, we're starting. We're starting with the first week of January. Yeah. And then we're moving all the way through the end of December, and we're going in order. Um, the movies are kind of kind of an arbitrary. We're trying to do major theatrical releases. Yeah. Um, some exceptions will be made for maybe smaller things that are worth talking about. Um, and then it's also just kind of arbitrary. Like, I guess we have the power to overrule, like, uh, some movies if there's really nothing we can say about it, but I have a feeling we're, we're going to try and get into as much of it as we, uh, basically can stomach. Yeah. Um, so first one's Impostor. What's it about?
1: So Impostor is a sci-fi action movie Mm -hmm. that takes place in the year 2079. Right. At a time when Earth is at war with an alien race. The Alpha Centauri. The Alpha Centauri. Yep. And our main main character is, like we said, Spencer Olam. Our hero. Played by Gary Sinise. Yeah. And early on in the movie, he is uh, arrested and accused of being a basically a cyborg replicant yeah they Um, use which i think is oh and he's a uh a military scientist a well-regarded military right
0: he's building a giant um basically like what like nuclear rocket right
1: he builds weapons for the military yeah
0: but then he goes on like the their equivalent of the news and talks about how he wants peace Mm -hmm. um which is a scene that they show at some point in the movie um so he he's a nuclear scientist. Mm-hmm. And he's he's a weapons guy, mm-hmm. and then he's arrested for being a replicant. I, I I thought it was interesting the way they uh, uh, reused the term replicant. Because I Dick. I I think of that term so specifically with like Blade Runner,
1: Blade Runner. which
0: is another Philip K. Dick mm-hmm. adaptation, yeah. um, and I'm sure he probably used the term replicant in the short story. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe we should have read it before.
1: I did read the Wikipedia uh-huh. synopsis. Okay, a couple times.
0: Okay, okay. Well, that's something. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I I I, I think like <laughs> if since since they're making like a not super faithful adaptation given that they like extended it by a full like hour yeah, <laughs> past the need. Uh, they, they maybe shouldn't have even like said replicant. They should have just come up with another term just because like in my head, that's yeah. so linked to Blade Runner. Yeah. But
1: which is like a little bit, it's a slightly a better movie than this.
0: Uh, yeah, it's, it's a little better. It's yeah. A little bit. It's <laughs> a little better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Okay, so so he's arrested for... um, For being being a
1: a robot, basically like a robot suicide bomber.
0: Right, an alien robot suicide bomber. Mm -hmm. Sure.
1: The authorities believe that he was sent by the Alpha Centauri to assassinate the world chancellor Mm -hmm. played by Lindsey Krauss. Right. Uh, Um, And and
0: about the chancellor, mm -hmm. uh, I love the scene where He's walking and talking. There's a lot of walk and talks in this, like a almost like an Aaron Sorkin joint. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love the scene where Tony Shalhoub, who's his best friend, mm-hmm. uh, talks about sexually harassing the chancellor um, yeah. by cupping her ass,
1: yeah, and jiggling her buttocks. Right? Yeah,
0: that's right. That was his actual term. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and he calls her Chancy. Uh-huh. Uh, so it's just some of that great great
1: imposter humor. Mm-hmm. Um, Tony Chalou bringing the only humor to this movie, I think.
0: Right. Uh, I, I, I noted in my notes here while watching the movie uh, that there is exactly one <laughs> one Spencer Olum one-liner. Uh-huh. Which is such a bizarre decision. Because like, I feel like you have to either go no one-liners or lots of one-liners. Having one is such a strange decision. Like, you don't know what you're trying to be, like, what you're trying to do. Right. I'm uh, trying
1: to think really quick before you say it, what the one-liner is. Sure. You, uh, you can go ahead and say it. I think I know what you're talking about, but go ahead.
0: Yeah, it's it's the part where um, he's he breaks into the hospital, which we'll get to we'll in get the to plot summary. And, and, and he... He takes, like, a nurse hostage and says, and no, I don't have time to make an appointment.
1: That's exactly what I thought you were going <laughs> to <Yeah>, say. Yeah, <laughs> because
0: it's the only one. <laughs> it's the only one in the movie. Yeah. And it's
1: so weird that he
0: says it because it's out of character for the rest of Spencer Olum. Yeah. And if you want to make him that, like, if you want to make him an Arnold guy, like, kind of the, the yeah. Total Recall thing,
1: that's fine. Because you can't help but think of Total Recall watching this movie. Sure. Which is so, so much fun funnier
0: yeah it's than, a lot funnier yeah. a lot more entertaining and then a lot more like action forward um but the movie is just this weird it's like caught in between it doesn't really know what it wants to be it does it it like at times seems like it's trying to be like blade runner and then at times it seems like it's trying to be like total recall mm-hmm. and it's just this weird kind of uneasy occupation mm-hmm. of the space between them,
1: so. Or Blade Runner meets The Fugitive, which it says on the back of the That's DVD case. That's true, Blade Runner meets The Fugitive. And that quote is attributed to no one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just the DVD case. Yeah, I love, I love when you see, like, IMDb
0: users get, yeah. like, quotes on, like, DVDs for, like, really low rent <laughs> movies, but it's even funnier when they just, like, don't even attempt it. <laughs> and then, <laughs>
1: That's uh, just what I said, person making the DVD cover. Right. So, uh, yeah, circling back to the the beginning of the movie, uh, the basic plot. So, Spencer Olam is accused of being replicant. He believes that he is not a clone, and he uh, escapes custody.
0: Mm-hmm. He does so by uh, improvising on the spot mm-hmm. somewhat miraculously. Who knew that Spencer Olam had such, like, strong improv jobs? Yeah. Um, he pretends to be a replicant,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and he's he's like, ah, I'm a ticking bomb, yeah. and stuff like that, and then yeah. and then he breaks out,
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, which they uh, they set up his uh, quick thinking skills. Oh wait, they didn't. No, no, all. no. They...
0: <laughs> <laughs> You're given no indication that he's like the kind of guy that yeah. would like. Be able like to that. think of
1: that on the spot. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. It's it's like almost like a comedy bit that he's <laughs> doing all of a sudden, um uh, even though he seems to be a pretty like serious guy,
1: right. So this distracts the guards in the interrogation room, right. And he's able to escape.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, also,
0: in that interrogation sequence, uh, great Vincent D'Onofrio joke. Yeah. Knock knock. Yeah, yeah. Because Who's he's it? kind of
1: taunting him during the interrogation, right?
0: Right. Vincent D'Onofrio plays kind of our, our chief uh, antagonist in the mm-hmm. movie. Um, he's like he's like kind of this like uh, sort of like a secret police kind of uh, Gestapo guy, mm-hmm. um,
1: Major Hathaway,
0: Major Hathaway. And um, at one point, he even says like something about preserving our race, which mm-hmm. is like total Nazi <laughs> parallel. Um, but uh, yeah, he he has Spencer Olam tied to a chair, and he mm. he, he asks him a knock knock joke, and Spencer yeah. Olam, for some reason, just says like, "Who's
1: there?" Yeah. <laughs> Even though he's tied to a chair. Well, Vince Snappier is like, "Knock knock." Yeah, and. Uh... Spencer Olam says something like, What are you, why are you doing this? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But then, but then
1: reluctantly, he... he's like, Who's
0: there? Yeah, yeah. It, it would have been great if he just told an actual joke, but he yeah. doesn't. He just says, Not Spencer Olam, mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, looks especially proud of himself. Yeah. Uh... So that's the interrogation scene. Yeah. Uh, but then he escapes using his uh, amazing improv skills.
1: Mm-hmm. And that's most of what the short film is. Right. It's right. the interrogation scene. Yeah. So then he uh, he breaks free, and that basically leads us into the whole middle section of the movie, which was not in the short. They added it in afterwards because they wanted to extend it. They wanted to pat it out.
0: Right. So post-interrogation scene, that stuff is all new stuff. And that's where the movie like really feels especially rudderless.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, none of it... None of it really needs to be there. Um, Because at a certain point, the movie just picks back up with where the short goes. Right. And that's, like, when the movie narratively gets back on track. It's it's like they added just a really long 60-minute scene to a short film. Yeah, and it's just kind of, I guess, kind of, like... I mean, it's going for The Fugitive, obviously, because mm-hmm. David Toohey wrote The Fugitive mm-hmm. or you know, wrote I, yeah. the screenplay. He,
1: he wasn't involved with the short, but they brought him in for the full full length version.
0: Right. Right. Been, uh, chase, chase stuff. Chase stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's a little fugitive. It's a little also like kind of um, my thought was like, wow, this is like a really bad version of like Escape from New York kind of yeah and then he's like running around the city and he's like encountering some random characters right yeah um
1: in unsavory locations Mm -hmm. uh getting into fights right so as soon as he escapes interrogation he goes into uh i believe it's called the zone in this movie which is uh like like you said an unsavory part of yeah it's outside the bubble right the it's cities, not it's not covered by a dome.
0: The cities are under a dome, and yeah. this is outside that, yeah, right,
1: so a lot of the cities are covered by protective domes to protect them from air raids, but in the zones, they're unprotected because that's where like the poor mm-hmm. live and yeah, so that's where uh where we meet an entirely new character that was added, it wasn't in the short film, Mackay Pfeiffers character
0: right yeah we meet makai um his name is kale kale like the salad Mm -hmm. um kale's fine i don't know i didn't have a big problem with makai pfeiffer no in the movie and in fact like apart from vincent d'onofrio who's like kind of the only one that really seems like he's having any fun and kind of like chewing scenery Mm -hmm. makai pfeiffer is really the only one with any kind of like life in his performance, like, Gary Sinise, like, I I was watching this and I noted that it's, like, career bland performance from Gary <laughs> Sinise. Like, he's such a boring, like... Yeah, it's
1: not very, it's not a very exciting performance. No,
0: no. He mostly just looks, like, flustered the entire
1: movie. Right. Yeah, I, I said this before, uh, We were, you know, we were recording uh, maybe a couple weeks ago, that I, I do like Gary Sinise... As an actor, I think, for the most part yeah i i don't I don't
0: particularly like Gary sinise i I guess I don't really have a big problem with him as an actor, um I mean as an actor, as an actor, yeah as a Hollywood conservative, <laughs> maybe a little bit, but uh uh you know that's neither here nor there, yeah. but yeah, I mean, I guess you know Lieutenant Dan's memorable character, Forrest Gump is like a movie I think is kind of bad. Uh, now especially but um, you know obviously saw it like a million times when I was a kid which is so weird to think about seeing that movie so many times just because they played it on like TNT all the time Um, and then Snake Eyes you're a Snake Eyes fan
1: yeah I I like Snake Eyes I, I think I just associate Gary Sinise with the 90s and 90s thrillers specifically like Snake Eyes and Ransom and uh, things like Reindeer Games. I think that was maybe two thousand, but those kinds of movies which we don't see anymore. Right. Yeah. I mean
0: that that was a that was basically the era of Gary Sinise because kind of like once once we shifted into the two thousands yeah. and Impostor comes and he, out,
1: he just went to CBS.
0: Yeah. Right. After I'd, that. Yeah. I don't. I don't know if like they just deemed him not a viable leading man anymore or which they probably were accurate i think he's i think he's better in in like a supporting role yeah um where he just kind of shows up and mm-hmm. and does some stuff but
1: uh like i think the reason he was uh, a surprise villain in so many movies in like so many thrillers in the late 90s is cuz he was pretty good at it
0: Right, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think he he he's good at both
0: selling the uh, the like air of like decency, and then also undercutting it yeah. um, later in the There's movie. Some,
1: some darkness under there.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, he he's got this like weird squint yeah. to him, and, 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 and like he squints basically this entire movie, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> and he just looks uncomfortable. There were moments like where it looked like. He looked constipated or something. Yeah. Like, what's what's wrong with Spence? And then, like
1: uh, I don't what? I don't think he should be on screen for the whole runtime of a movie. <laughs> He's not He shouldn't he, carry a movie.
0: Right, yeah. He doesn't have he doesn't have that kind of charisma. Um, and that's not to say like you have to be super good looking to like be a movie star. Um, but something about Sinise, like, I don't know, like he just seems <laughs> you know you, you got to put him into more of a box i think he I think yeah he, i think he's a better fit as a character actor yeah um but he's like just not a memorable leading man no uh, and and this is like such such <laughs> a perfect example of it but he's just like you don't feel anything watching it like he he can't carry a movie
1: yeah uh, i was gonna say that i uh i had this thought recently that uh that I would have liked to see Gary Sinise take a different career path, maybe, when he hit, like, the 2000s. Maybe kind of like Willem Dafoe, where he did, like, less mainstream, kind of darker stuff. Maybe did stuff with more, like, uh, auteurs, like... Kind of like Abel Ferrara and Lars Von Trier and that kind of thing, where... Uh, I don't know, I feel like he could have done uh, some more interesting stuff, but he just did uh, CSI and uh, right. uh, NCIS and whatever.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting thought. Uh, it'd be interesting to kind of see like what that would even look like.
1: I mean, because... It's hard to imagine, because I couldn't really <laughs> see him doing that kind of stuff but i think it would have been interesting
0: right right yeah i mean i don't know what his personal interests are other than like really liking uh the military a lot
1: because
0: mm-hmm. um, that's like that's like what he does mostly now is just kind of like do benefit concerts for for veterans and yeah. stuff um But, yeah, I guess it would have been interesting. Uh, Willem Dafoe's an interesting kind of, like, crossroads guy with him. Because 2002 has, like, Willem Dafoe's, like, big paycheck movie, Mm -hmm. which is Spider-Man. Yeah. um, Where he's very memorable in that movie. Mm -hmm. Um, We'll get to that movie at some point, obviously.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, But then, yeah, after that, Willem Dafoe just kind of, like, does whatever he wants to do. Uh, You know, he he still shows up in some big movies. Like, you know, he had Aquaman a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, But for the most part, like, he just does weird stuff. Yeah. And uh, usually has good success. Mm -hmm. Gets good reviews. Yeah. Uh,
1: And also maybe worth noting that Sinise came up uh, in the same theater company as uh, John Malkovich.
0: Interesting. Also...
1: I guess I think of all those actors kind of in a similar way.
0: Right. Well, they were in lots of 90s stuff, a lot of memorable 90s things. Mm
1: -hmm. Sinise directed the Of Mice and Men
0: movie. Yeah, true. Yeah, they co-starred in, yeah, I forgot Sinise directed that. Mm -hmm. That's right. Um, Movie I had to watch in high school.
1: Yeah, I think I watched it in ninth grade, I believe. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think if it was that version or the Robert Blake one. I think it was that one.
0: Uh, I think my teacher showed us the Sinise one because they thought that we'd respond better to a newer movie as opposed to an older one. They're probably so cool, correct. that movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just nothing I love more than John Malkovich's Lenny
1: uh-huh.
0: or George. No, no George, Sinise Ge- was George. Okay, and, okay, yeah. yeah. I can just never remember which one is the, um, the, like, smarter one and which one is the... Lenny
1: liked the rabbits. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Um... <laughs> Alright, well so Gary Sinise kind of a kind of a dud as leading man.
1: Yeah.
0: Um anyway, so he meets he meets up with Mackay Pfeiffer, who mm-hmm. we think is fine.
1: Yeah, I would say Mackay is pretty decent in this movie. He's not given a whole lot to do, but but uh yeah, he he's good. He uh so the whole middle of this movie was added in by one of the screenwriters they brought in. And it introduces, uh, like, the whole MacGuffin is this PET scan machine, Mm -hmm. which Gary Sinise has to get to, to basically uh, prove that he is a human and not a robot. Right. That's what what the whole thing is about, is a PET scan machine.
0: (laughs) Yeah, which, uh, in the future, a PET scan machine shows you um, a... uh... Like a full 3D rendering of your body, of your nude body, which they have like this like video game looking Gary Sinise at one point, like on a hologram, (laughs) which (laughs) makes me want a uh, imposter video game from like 2002 Mm -hmm. for like Nintendo 64. Maybe
1: they made, maybe it's somewhere. That would be something. Maybe that's where the $40 million went.
0: Yeah, this movie costs $40 million and you cannot see it on screen. No. Uh, it's, I I mean, I think a thing that we're going to sort of notice a lot is that obviously movies from 2002, um, are going to look a lot worse than kind of modern standards for CGI, but also that was just such a weird period for movie special effects in general. Like, Mm -hmm. um, it was in this kind of, like, crossroads between, like, CGI and they're doing away with, you know, practical effects. um, Because, like, big movies that year, Mm Spider-Man and Attack of the Clones, like, the two biggest movies of the summer. uh, And Attack of the Clones being filmed, what, like, 100% blue screens and green screens? Mm -hmm. Like, I think... I think george lucas did away with all sets basically except for maybe like a couple i think uh, there's a handful of scenes in that movie yeah um we'll get to attack the clones one day that'll be an interesting one Mm -hmm. um so you know 2002 is a weird year for for visual effects so you see 40 million dollars and you know i get that things are different things were different Mm -hmm. than so 40 million dollars um, like maybe a lot of that stuff costs a lot more, but mm-hmm. man, this movie looks like shit.
1: Yeah. It doesn't look great. No. Uh, and, uh, it's shot by uh, cinematographer, uh, Robert Ellswood. Okay. Uh,
0: uh, what's Robert Ellswood done?
1: Who, uh, he did a couple movies like there will be blood, uh, Magnolia. <laughs> Two great looking movies. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, most of PTA stuff, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least from, you know, around like the late 90s and early 2000s, but yeah you couldn't tell that it was No, no this, this looks like
0: a lot like battlefield earth i Mm -hmm. noted in my notes which is like a very similar era like right around that same time like turn of the century yeah uses a lot of those stupid like dutch angles Mm -hmm. and stuff for like guys running down hallways Mm -hmm. and a a lot of like camera movements that are kind of unnecessary yeah and then there's even a scene like where a camera is like whipping around and they're all, they also added in these, like, whipping sound effects, mm-hmm. like a like, as the camera's
1: moving. Yeah. <laughs> it's so awkward. There's, there's some of that in Kiss the Girls, too, if I remember right. Okay. So that's uh, a Gary Flutter thing. That is a Gary Flutter thing, yeah. Uh, and al- also a lot of that, uh, I don't know what you would call it, but that kind of, like, trace effect like that blurry uh where you like people that are like on drugs like you see things in kind of a blurry way
0: right yeah i mean at one point spencer Olam says he's like on like so much so much stuff you could like sedate a horse something uh, like that
1: yeah uh, i don't
0: remember the exact quote but uh yeah so it, the movie goes like out of its way to imply that he's like Loaded on, like, painkillers mm-hmm. and, like, truth serums and stuff. Yeah,
1: they yeah. were given to him by the police, by right Major yeah. Hathaway. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, um, so Mackay Pfeiffer, uh, getting back on track with the plot, takes mm-hmm. him to uh, Elizabeth Pena. Small, small role. Very small role. Yeah, yeah, pretty close to before she died, right?
1: Because she died mm-hmm. in the early 2000s. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of what she would have been in around that time like she was obviously obviously in rush hour mm-hmm. and uh lone star but that would have been before rush hour In this yeah early 2000s she died right
0: yeah yeah so and she's she's like a talented character actress mm-hmm. um and it's such a small like thankless little role um she she plays this, this kind of, like, underground surgeon mm-hmm. that, like, takes out the tracking device yeah. that's in Spencer's, like, spine.
1: Yeah. Um, because everybody in this time period has tracking devices in their spine. Right. So the government can track their...
0: Right. Their yeah, the movie doesn't do a great job of setting up kind of the dystopian future. Mm-hmm. Um, because it it kind of starts the movie well, we should mention too that the movie starts with footage from other
1: movies. Yeah, so there's, talk a, about that. there's a prologue uh, that was added in. It wasn't in the short but it's in the full length version and it, it basically sets up the war with the Alpha Centauri and uh, uh, Gary Sinise uh, how he experienced all that as a child and young Spencer Olam, I looked this up, is played by Gary Sinise's Real life son.
0: Okay, that explains the likeness because I yeah. noted that that was a good,
1: like, oh, that's a, a good, good uh, look lookalike. Uh,
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, Mac Max Sinis. Max Sinis. What? A, mm. What a shitty thing to do to name your kid Mac. <laughs> All right,
1: <laughs> <laughs> Mac Sinis. <laughs> which every time I say it, it sounds like I'm about to say Sinista, which is a person who shops at TJ Maxx.
0: That's right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah,
1: I. I yeah. Uh, yeah, so Max Sinise plays young Spencer Olam uh, in this prologue, and you learn uh, basically what uh, Earth became. And, uh, you know, you also learn that Gary Sinise's father in the movie uh, was a soldier who was captured by the Alpha Centauri and was killed. So he's got some, some, you know, personal stakes in this. And they show like footage. Right, right. And you see uh you see events from the war that were taken from other films. Right. Yeah. So so they've got what, Starship Troopers? Star, there's Starship Troopers scenes in this movie and uh Gattaca scenes. And I actually watched the the credits, the ending credits, and uh, it, it thanks like Columbia and TriStar for that footage. Okay. Yeah. So Again, it
0: begs the question, where does $40 million of this movie go to? Maybe it costs a lot to buy those scenes. <laughs> but you couldn't have just produced your own, like, half a... It was, it's like a half a second to, you know, maybe a just few seconds worth shows of, like,
1: future soldiers marching. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. It's like it shows an explosion. And um, and, and wasn't there also Independence Day in there? Or, uh, or that, was that, that wasn't in
1: the credits, but it could have been. Okay. Maybe they just didn't. Yeah, <laughs> pay Fox for uh, Independence Day. Right, March. right. So, and also some of those uh, costumes, like the helmets, they also look like Starship Trooper helmets, like that the the security guards. <laughs> well, there's also there's that, and then I
0: also noted that uh, Gary Sinise at one point puts on some sunglasses to uh, to not look the mm-hmm, same, yeah, even yeah. though it just looks like Gary Sinise and stupid sunglasses, mm-hmm. and I'm. Almost positive that they're the same sunglasses Vin Diesel wears in Pitch Black, mm-hmm. which would have been what,
1: like two years before this. Uh, let's see, yeah, Riddick or uh, Pitch Black would have been uh, 2000. 2000. Yeah. and David Twoe who
0: punched up this movie and like added the stuff in the middle. We assume is his contribution. And it's
1: fugitive stuff,
0: right? It's yeah. fugitive stuff. It's chase scene stuff. Um, he's the, the writer director, or, well, he's the writer of Pitch Black. Did he direct it?
1: Uh, I was going to say, yeah, right? I think he did. I know
0: he, I know he did Chronicles of Riddick. We can look it up. Yeah, I'm going to look it up. Okay. Yeah, I looked it up.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, he did, he did direct, he did direct Pitch Black. So, um, David Tui made Pitch Black, um, and then is, added on to this movie um, right around that same time. So I feel like those are definitely the Riddick sunglasses. Or they could just be his shades. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe. He, he just, like, one day on the Riddick set, they're like, ah, we, we need him to look a little cooler. <laughs> and David Toohey took off his own sunglasses, which are, like, that weird... Weird, round shape yeah. that kind of look like bug glasses,
1: It's like here, I let Gary wear these when we shot imposter, <laughs> right, you should put them on right,
0: yeah, so uh maybe he wears the uh the pitch black sunglasses as well as reusing all that footage,
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's possible, uh so yeah, that's all in the the prologue the uh not the sunglasses stuff, but the the footage from, from the footage yeah. and Gattaca. And yeah. Uh, Some of that newsreel footage, I believe, is from another movie. Also, Um, I'd have to look that up. But uh, yeah, so it uses other footage. So they didn't bother to shoot war stuff on their own.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So the 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 rest of the movies, like kind of like set pieces, are pretty small and lean. Mm -hmm. Um, Like the i would say the a lot of running through aqueducts and yeah. uh, corridors and <laughs> yeah. Uh, warehouses pipes. yeah sewers yeah yeah
1: that's all the, the movie is in the middle
0: yeah yeah that's exactly all yeah. it is yeah. yeah so after he gets the, his tracker device removed um after they've run through some sewers to get to uh, elizabeth pena yeah. um they then uh go to the hospital where Spencer's wife, played by Madeline Stowe, mm-hmm. uh works so that he can get his comparative PET scan.
1: Right.
0: And it, it's a big ordeal. Um Gary Sinise has to uh offer Makai Pfeiffer drugs mm-hmm. in return for his safe passage to the hospital. Um, because that's what he thinks Mackay Pfeiffer wants. Yeah, he thinks
1: Mackay Pfeiffer's character would want to sell him on the streets. Right? right, yeah. Yeah. And then it's revealed once you
0: actually get into the hospital that Mackay Pfeiffer just wants drugs for like um his friends and family that are like uh sick at home. And then all of a sudden Gary Sinise is like, Wow, you're pretty alright. Mm-hmm. Um only after only after uh realizing that does he have any kind of respect for him. Right. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, that's, that's the whole middle of the movie.
0: Yeah. And then, after the PET scan stuff, he escapes, mm-hmm. um, and then he calls Madeline Stowe on his iPhone, which I thought the movie actually kind of accurately predicted iPhones and, like, FaceTiming a little bit, because mm-hmm. um, he's, like, he's just holding, basically, this screen that's, like, his, like, little video conferencer, and... Um, Calls Madeline Stowe. He's like, "Hey, meet me where we first met," and um, and uh, they go to uh,
1: what the woods, the lake. Uh, yeah. So it's implied before the movie starts that they spent the weekend in the woods camping right. in Sutton Woods. Sutton Woods. Yeah, yeah, which they bring up for, you know... <laughs> they mention it a lot. <laughs> yeah, in the beginning of the movie, because you know it's going to come back yeah, You can later also on.
0: you can also just, like, take a train to Sutton Woods. Yeah. Because at one point he's, like, looking up trains mm-hmm. to Sutton Woods. And, yeah. I guess that's how he gets there. They don't show him <laughs> getting
1: there. For, uh, no. Well, there's the the uh, the transport system the bugs yeah, yeah that's like what I it's yeah, okay. like their future right. subway right okay um, okay so that's yeah that's but that's what I was thinking yeah I guess he can take those because his tracker has been removed and they just don't show him mm-hmm. yeah they don't they don't show him get there at all yeah which is weird considering like I don't whole... know where that is in relation to the hospital or...
0: right yeah the whole middle part of the movie is just him getting to a place yeah and then. And then after they've, like, sufficiently padded the runtime, they're like, all right, we're just going to tack on the rest of the short film now. Because once he gets to the lake, that's, like, basically where the short kind of resumed from earlier. Because
1: pretty much from there on, it's just the end of the short film. Right. Like, I don't believe anything was added to the end, the last, like, ten minutes.
0: No, no. And the the lot... There's... There's a pretty noticeable, like, dip in quality, even from before, mm-hmm. like, even from the middle stuff, like, in terms yeah. of, like, visual effects, because there's, like, a uh, a big explosion at the end of the movie, which we'll get into here in a second, that looks terrible. It is, like, the worst-looking it's special effect in the movie. Real bad. Yeah, yeah. And it's just this fire ripping across, like, the forest, yeah. and it looks so shoddy, um that you're questioning like was this like a straight to video movie from like 1988 (laughs) or something like it it looks
1: so bad because the short i believe was completed in like 98 or 99 or something like that right
0: so it's it's basically that same visual effect which even with a 40 million dollar budget and like clearance to do a full movie they didn't really tinker with it at all they really just kind of like just shoved it on at the end there
1: yeah 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 they just really cut that short film in half and put in a bunch of chase scenes in the middle
0: um so yeah he gets to sutton woods Mm -hmm. arrives on the on the transport and um uh madeline Stowe shows up his wife Mm mm-hmm
1: Who who isn't in most of the middle of the movie.
0: No, no, she's hardly in it. Um, She's in a couple scenes. Yeah. Like that
1: scene where Vince D'Onofrio questions her at the uh, future chapel.
0: Yeah, and I thought that scene was funny because it was so obviously shot to look like Blade Runner yes um it's so like transparent like at one point like you you just see like a pool rippling Mm -hmm. like and it's like oh yeah this is clearly meant to look like (laughs) one of the interiors of blade runner yeah um (laughs) but it's just the movie has this like goofy tone that just doesn't like fit with the blade runner aesthetic so it never like gels but yeah, Madeline Stowe. Not in much of it. Um, in the middle portion, uh, the movie actually like after the prologue stuff opens with a super like unnecessarily steamy sex scene between him and yeah between him and Madeline Stowe. Like a very soft focus. <laughs> yeah, very like skinamax. Yeah, lots uh, of fades. Yeah, yeah. It, it actually reminds me a lot of like the sex scenes from like The Room, mm-hmm. um, notoriously uh, like funny sex scene
1: yeah
0: and uh so madeline stowe basically just is in that stuff and then she shows back up at the end um she uh to, meets him
1: yeah because uh, i guess you're kind of led to believe that madeline stowe's character maya believes that spencer is still innocent at this right. point still yeah. not a cyborg
0: yeah he tells her to meet him if she still believes him yeah And she meets him there at the uh, at the woods, Mm -hmm. and they they are like trying to pry open like a car, right, Uh, like a
1: trunk. Well, I guess we should explain that he, uh, while he was on the run, Spencer kind of pieced it together and figured out that uh, the Alpha Centauri tried to target him while he was uh, camping in the woods, but Mm -hmm. their ship crashed somewhere. Uh, in another part of the woods and so spencer jumped to the conclusion that they never got to him okay like they were they were never able to assassinate the real spencer olin because their ship crashed so he was like oh well, let's open up the ship and prove this
0: The movie doesn't do a great job of explaining no. any of this by the way uh i've watched it twice and i'm still only like okay yeah i guess <laughs>
1: sure So, yeah, he and Madeline Stowe are uh, attempting to pry open this ship. Or, yeah, like you said, the trunk of this ship to, I guess, hopefully see some dead aliens. I think. I don't know what they're expecting to find in there. Um, But
0: that's when Vincent D'Onofrio and, like, a a bunch of cops show up. Mm -hmm. And um, Vincent D'Onofrio starts telling Spencer that he believes him.
1: Yeah. But... Even though we never got, like, we never see Vincent D'Onofrio's character. Where does he learn that? <laughs> like, we never see him, like, doing any legwork to figure that out. No. Like, it, uh, I don't know if you remember, like, kind of, like, in Minority Report, when Colin Farrell kind of figures out, spoiler, that yeah. Tom Cruise, his character's innocent. It's kind of like that. Yeah. But they never show him kind of piecing things together right
0: he just all of a sudden is in the know um and we don't know how he arrived there Mm -hmm. um but uh he shows up and he's like spencer we know that you're not a replicant yeah but you need to get away from her implying that his wife is Mm -hmm. um and then they open up the trunk to the ship yeah they eventually pry open the trunk and uh, what do they see? But they see a, a dead Madeline Stowe body, mm-hmm. and she, of course, starts like crying and pleading, saying that she's mm-hmm. not a replicant, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they shoot her <laughs> yeah, they <laughs> right shoot in her. front of right in front of Gary Sinise. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they kill her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, like, it seems like a pretty big design flaw that these like robo uh robo suicide bombers can just be
1: shot to death mm. yeah um with like regular guns yeah you'd think that she, she wouldn't be able to be killed so easily yeah
0: yeah you know. yeah she just goes down like any normal uh, like sack of meat
1: yeah so then you think oh that's the twist is that madeline mm-hmm. stowe was actually the replicant but not gary sinney's not so fast New not friends. so fast yeah uh, Uh, one of the other future cops starts Mm. to pry open a different trunk somewhere else on this (laughs) ship. Spatially, this movie is very, like, it makes no sense. I don't know what's going on at this ending. Yeah, it's like 10 feet away. One of the other cops starts opening up another compartment in the ship. Mm. And uh, he opens it up, and what does he find? Sir, you're going to want to take a look at this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, very calmly, he's like, sir, you're going to take a look at this. Yeah. And D'Onofra is like, what do you mean? Hold on, I'm busy. Uh, and then he opens it up and it's like, oh, there is a dead Gary Sinise. Yeah. So he realized that uh, the Alpha Centauri sent a backup.
0: Yeah. 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 And and that, that ends up being Gary Sinise's uh, bomb trigger. Because mm-hmm. um, I guess he
1: sees himself. So he's like
0: that's that triggers him that's that's his trigger and yeah. his his eyes go black mm-hmm. um and then then he explodes yeah and he kills vincent d'onofrio and all these cops mm-hmm. which i don't really understand like why vincent d'onofrio was i guess the target did the alpha centauri just not care who they killed
1: uh, i mean i guess he's like the leader of the right Earth he's Police. like a figurehead or whatever yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's the big twist. It's revealed that he and Madeline Stowe are both replicants.
0: Right. Okay. And so that's where the short ends. Mm -hmm. Um, That's, like, the main story from Philip K. Dick's short story. Mm -hmm. And then the movie tacks on an extra scene with Mackay Pfeiffer, like, watching on the news
1: afterwards. Where Um, he he sees that... uh, Is it shown that Spencer Olam Bomb? Like, was the bomb? Did they sh- No, I think they the just. News? I think they just. They say, say that they... he was killed in the bombing. Yeah, yeah. So, Makai Pfeiffer's left wondering. Oh, was he? Was he a replicant, or did I meet a real human?
0: Right. Yeah. He even says some like corny line, like some might say, "I met him" or something like that. Yeah, they
1: were like, "Oh, did you know him?" And he was like maybe or that's not what he says
0: but one one could say that it it was such a it was such an unwieldy line that I felt bad for him listening (laughs) to him have to say that
1: uh yeah so that's how it ends
0: that's how it ends not a not a super fun ending I Mm -hmm. guess um which I mean I guess Philip K Dick's not like a cheery guy Mm -hmm. um looking at any of his other adaptations or works uh yeah, not,
1: not the best Philip K. Dick film adaptation.
0: No, no, not
1: at all. Maybe um, not the worst, but... Uh, probably not. Yeah. Uh, I think we would probably agree on this, that Blade Runner's the best. Right? Uh, yeah, yeah, I and would say... Total Recall, close second.
0: Yeah, it's, it's really close between those two. Um... And then Minority Report's honestly not far behind it for me. I would
1: say those are the top three.
0: Those are the three, uh, yeah. And there's also, what, like a Scanner Darkly?
1: Uh, yeah, Scanner Darkly. And uh, uh, Paycheck, which might be the worst. Paycheck was the following movie. Yeah,
0: I wish Paycheck was a 2002 movie so we could talk about that one in Compare depth. and
1: contrast.
0: Right, because thematically, it's um, pretty similar as a lot of the Philip K. Dick stuff was.
1: It's also, there's a lot of chasing, a lot of.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's. Being on the run stuff. Yeah, it's the fugitive sort of in the yeah.
1: future. Um, Which is kind of like Minority Report. It's just Minority Report does all that really well.
0: I, that's the thing I really noted um, is that, like, it's fascinating because both of these movies are 2002 movies. Mm-hmm. Obviously Minority Report had a much bigger budget. Well, I don't even know about much bigger. I'm sure it was bigger, but $40 million is still a lot of money. Mm-hmm. But um Minority Report just looks so much better. It looks so much better. It does like all the hits all the same themes and stuff so much better. Like like by the end of the movie like you really feel like, like John Anderton's like sort of like been on this like wild journey, like where he meets mm-hmm. all these like he goes on this sort of like odyssey and he yeah. meets all these like wild characters and you know it's
1: Peter Stormare, Peter the Stormare, the, the street like, surgeon,
0: street surgeon, just kind of
1: like Elizabeth Peña's character in this movie,
0: right? And this movie kind of tries to do that stuff, but it never feels like earned. Like yeah. it, it feels like. You kind of just feel like Gary Sinise just kind of, like, shuffled around for, like, an hour. Like, you don't really get a sense of, like, time passing. You don't really get a sense of, like, distance traveled. You don't really, like, none of the locations, like, vary all that much in the middle portion of the movie. So, like, at the end of the movie, like, when you kind of get to the, like, story resolution, you're just kind of like, well n- nothing I've watched for the last hour needed to be shown to me no you got you get no information out of it the the Mackay Pfeiffer character like despite being like probably the second best character in the movie like has no reason to be <laughs> in it he's not in the original short it's, film it's proven to short not, story.
1: it's proven to not be important because there's a film that exists without all that stuff (laughs) yeah that's just fine
0: and it's better yeah it's bad it's still bad um yeah the short's not very good but it's still better than the full mm -hmm. version i mean yeah just they they literally just added on exactly like one hour because it's like an hour and 42 minutes for the director's cut and uh what 38 oh
1: that's right we should also say that the version that I saw in theaters in 2002 was a PG-13 version, mm-hmm. which uh, was cut down from an R-rated version, which is what we recently watched, yeah. the director's cut. Yeah. Which
0: is, it's like the only version that's available. Yeah, anymore. I think that
1: PG-13 theatrical cut you can't find anymore. Right. It doesn't exist.
0: Right. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, like, the the like stuff that makes it R-rated is mostly stupid. Like, Spencer Oldham calls...
1: Uh <laughs> calls Vincent D'Onofrio a crazy fuck. Yeah, Uh and so there's that classic line where he's like, "I'm Spencer Olam. Yeah, but in the director's cut, it's revealed that he actually trails off and says, "You crazy fuck." <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so he calls him
0: a crazy fuck, yeah. and then the other thing that like, that, like I guess the gore, like because yeah. it, it it try like there's a scene in the interior there's part in the interrogation scene mm-hmm. where you see a hologram of another replicant being interrogated mm-hmm. and you see this like sort of machine drilling his yeah. like tracker Tr- or bomb out of him
1: drills into his chest and
0: pulls his heart out right and it's it's a very like his heart slash mm-hmm. u-bomb yeah it feels like they're trying to do the kind of like genre mixing that like john carpenter was super successful at and david cronenberg was super successful at like where kind of like mixing some of that like body horror with like science fiction um but then the movie just never touches on that like again mm. the only time it ever comes close is like maybe like the like elizabeth peña like street surgeon stuff um where she like drills into his spine and takes out the like tracker but, like, it's such a weird little moment because you're almost like, well, I can see sort of a larger vision of something that would be interesting if it were being, like, handled by a director with, like, maybe a little bit more
1: confidence than Gary Fletcher. Yeah. I'm not panache. really sure why, like, the decision was to just basically turn it into a chase movie. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I I don't know. I don't know. Because none of the middle stuff like touches on any of those sort of like things at all. It's all just like pretty straightforward, bland fugitive ripoff, which
1: mm-hmm.
0: probably you know f- the late '90s into the early 2000s was a super popular genre. So
1: yeah, and when we talk about collateral damage, eventually we'll talk about Andrew Davis, who directed The Fugitive, and we'll talk about how much I love The Fugitive
0: you do you love the fugitive Mm -hmm. i mean the fugitive is a great time so i'm i'm excited to talk Mm -hmm. about the fugitive even though it's not a 2002 movie no but uh (laughs) we do get to rewatch collateral damage so
1: that's something yeah uh now can you think of any ways that this short film imposter could have been more successfully expanded into a full length Other than just adding in a bunch of chase scenes, like is there any other way that you could think of that this could have been a a better, more interesting movie? Um, I mean, I there there's
0: like like the kind of like the gore and the weird characters should have been played up like for more like sort of intrigue, I thought. And then I also thought that like there's a moment at the end of the short, or not the end of the short, but the the middle of the short where Gary Sinise just kind of unloads a gun onto, mm-hmm. like, an elevator full of cops mm-hmm. and kills all of them. And in that elevator was his best friend, Tony Shalhoub, yeah. who exits the movie, like, uh-huh. after 20 minutes. And, like, he kills his best friend. Uh-huh. And and he only ever talks about it, like, once right. later. And he, and he talks about it for, like, maybe 20 seconds to Makai Pfeiffer. He's like, yeah, I killed my best friend. And then he's... And then he sees Vincent D'Onofrio, so then he puts on the goofy sunglasses, and he just, like, has to go walk around some more. And that's Mm -hmm. the end of it. the movie doesn't touch on it at all. But I feel like you could have had some interesting kind of, like, he should have been wrestling with the fact that he murdered his best friend, like, on accident. Uh Um, I don't know. Like the spencer character is just so boring that it's like by the time it's revealed that he actually was a replicant Uh the entire time you don't give a shit like who cares i don't know who gives a shit
1: yeah I, i was thinking about it i think maybe a more interesting approach would have just been to leave the short as the big like the first 30 35 minutes of the movie Hmm. And so it's, you learn that Spencer is a replicant and he realizes that he's a replicant in the first act. Okay. And then the, that way, maybe the middle, you could add maybe the Mackay Pfeiffer stuff and he'd be like, Oh, well, I know I'm a replicant. Now I'm on the run. And he has to grapple with some of the things that he's done. Like he's killed Tony Shaloub. He's like, Oh, all these memories aren't mine. He has to kind of deal with his like identity crisis
0: so, like, a replicant, like, gaining sentience or something, you Yeah, know?
1: which I think would have been a lot more interesting mm-hmm. than just him running away from Vincent D'Onofrio. Because, right. you know, just the film, the full length that exists, is just like, oh, well, it's going to end either revealing that he is or he is not a replicant. Like, mm-hmm. that's what we're watching this for. Right. Which isn't that interesting.
0: No, no, I mean, it, it, it's... Interesting enough in short story form, I mm-hmm. guess you know where it's yeah. like this is just a little tight, like thirty minutes of a <laughs> thing, and that's all you need. Yeah. Put there isn't a full ninety minutes of movie in that premise, no. like yeah, at least not without more like kind of intrigue in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, because as it stands, like just running around for an hour through a sewer isn't mm-hmm. isn't enough.
1: Yeah, and then maybe like when he's on the run, he could be like. Uh, he could figure out that uh, Madeline Stowe is, uh, maybe not kill Madeline Stowe at the 30-minute mark and maybe realize that she's also a replicant, and then that way the ending could be him confronting his wife, who he knows is right. a suicide robot bomber. Right, you right. Um, so she could be the villain. Yeah. Yeah.
0: There's a part in the movie where um, the news is on Mm-hmm. And they're talking about the fire that happened at Sutton Woods mm-hmm. um, because of the the crashed uh, Alpha Centauri ship,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and uh, the the newscaster says something that like made me laugh out loud when I was watching it. Mm-hmm. Where he says, "And robot firefighters were dispatched." <laughs> 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 I don't yeah. I don't know why that was so funny to me. Yeah. Just like calling them robot firefighters, just because that seems like such an obvious like yeah like. Gotta come up with, like, a term for that, like... <laughs> like,
1: like I, I don't know, firebots or... Fi- uh, yeah, so, yeah. So,
0: like, obviously that's cheesy as hell, but, uh, yeah. like, calling them robot firefighters yeah. just <laughs> doesn't work for me.
1: Yeah. There isn't a whole lot of, like, futuristic t- technology in this movie. Would you agree? Yeah. I, there is and there isn't.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean... Uh, It's one of those movies. It's like one of the funniest sci-fi tropes to me, which is something I noted watching like Logan's run a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. Is a lot of sci-fi movies suffer from this problem where they set movies in the future um, and they change lots of things about the future, but they don't change certain things Mm -hmm. at all and one of the funniest things to me is like logan's run is this movie where it's like it's another dome movie everyone Mm -hmm. exists in this like futuristic society under a dome and you can't live past like 29 or whatever that movie was Mm -hmm. and uh but everyone has like these 70s shag haircuts Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) even though even Mm -hmm. though this is like taking place like hundreds of years in the future and and, and impostor is kind of like that a little bit like Like yeah, it's
1: like seventy years in the future.
0: Yeah, like because he's got that scene in the shower in the Mm -hmm. beginning where he's like his future shower. Yeah, his future shower, which has like Siri in it. So Uh, another another, I guess decent uh, (laughs) decent prediction. (laughs) Approximation, yeah. Yeah, and he's like listening to like John Lee Hooker. Yeah, like why would he?
1: He says, "Hey, shower, play some music for me," and it puts on some like. Early two thousands chill out music.
0: Yeah, it's like drum and bass or yeah, something. And yeah. he's
1: like, "No, no, not this. Hooker, John Lee. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly <laughs> what he says. Yeah. And so, I, where would this guy who uh, uh, it was would have been born in like twenty twenty two, roughly?
1: Uh, yeah, well, maybe like twenty thirty. So twenty seventy nine. Gary Sneed in this movie is probably 45? forty five. Sure, forty five. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, you're right. Like. He'd be born around now yeah yeah and, yeah uh, boom boom by john lee hooker came out in what 63 yeah so
0: he's like uh i don't know why he's interested
1: in that um
0: <laughs> and then also like the scenes of them like going camping like the flashback scenes yeah. are like like he's just wearing like a flannel shirt and he just looks like a normal 90s guy yeah uh so it doesn't make sense to me that like Style and none of that stuff would have wouldn't have evolved. Now I get obviously I think they're trying to like set up the fact that Spencer is kind of like a kind of like an analog guy in a digital world is mm-hmm. kind of the, the the point, but they don't really do a great job of selling that very hard because no, it's just
1: that one little line. Yeah, yeah. Like, I like John Lee Hooker.
0: Yeah, exactly, and yeah (laughs) and that's it that's that's the stuff and otherwise he he and like Vincent D'Onofrio just have like these normal like 90s guy haircuts and stuff Mm -hmm. I know that like you probably want to err on the side of caution when it comes to like giving like wacky new haircuts or whatever (laughs) to like characters but I just want to see a movie that kind of like goes for it a little bit yeah and really tries to like actually predict the future like kind of like you know like back to the future 2 did that and like obviously it's so like over the top mm-hmm. compared to like what the future or you know like what 2020s actually are mm-hmm. but like they went for it i don't know it's like a funny vision of the future yeah. and like i don't know you could have done like a slightly more serious like take on it and it would have been yeah
1: at least something you know and like we've already said the imposter has none of the humor that total recall has no no which is excellent
0: yeah right and that's that's like part of the appeal with yeah. total recall is how funny it is yeah, it arnold's is. like one-liners in that movie are the funniest his one-liners i think i've ever been um maybe this side of commando yeah. and uh this movie really just has the one one-liner, the one that we talked about earlier, and I just think that's such a weird decision. Like, why even include it at all? Mm-hmm. Because, tonally, you're not ever going there again. You didn't go there before. Right. So, why why is he, like, like, quick on his feet, thinking of, like, some sort of quippy thing to say to this nurse that, like, tries to, like, screw him over with the cops, like, mm-hmm. in, like, 30 seconds? So...
1: And no, I don't have an appointment.
0: Yeah, yeah. I don't
1: have time to make an appointment. You crazy fucks. You crazy
0: fucks. Uh, I wish he had just added you crazy fucks onto, like, <laughs> the ends of his, like, all of his lines of dialogue. Really earned that R rating.
1: <laughs> I'm a producer on this movie, you crazy fucks.
0: <laughs> yeah. He did produce the movie. Yeah, yeah well, yeah. It was a passion project yeah. for Gary because uh, Gary, uh, you know, I guess, I guess maybe he knew that he wasn't like a prototypical leading man, mm-hmm. so he's like, "Well, I gotta, I gotta take matters in my own hands mm-hmm. and make make this thing myself." Right, Gary Sinise maybe dated Charlize Theron, according to IMDb, right after Reindeer Games, which I do not believe. <laughs>
1: I mean, maybe. <laughs>
0: I don't see that, especially the way their careers have gone now. Like, but even then, like, I he had that cool
1: uh, Lieutenant Dan hair.
0: Yeah, it's yeah. true. Reindeer games. Well, all right, and then so after after the MacKay Pfeiffer stuff, finishing up the plot, uh, we get one last shot of the sex scene from earlier for yeah. no reason at all. Yeah, they just they just give us a little flash of it, just to remember. <laughs> um which apparently in retrospect was just two robots. boning, mm-hmm. They were right? robots at that point, yeah. 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 So, all right. So, it's about robots fucking. That's um, the movie.
1: And that's that's Imposter.
0: That's Imposter. Yeah.
1: Um uh yeah, I I didn't enjoy it. No. Uh, I didn't enjoy it then, I didn't enjoy it now no
0: it's a weird it's a weird relic um, which obviously we're gonna find a lot of those um, but just like one of those like sort of forgotten movies that is neither memorable nor like enjoyable Mm -hmm. Um, like it's not one of the worst movies I've ever seen like we're gonna get in we're gonna get into a movie that I think is like one of the three (laughs) worst movies ever made later this year
1: yeah
0: it's just so unmemorable and boring and uh silly and, Very
1: bland and generic.
0: Yeah, career bland.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so yeah, I don't know. Do you want to grade it? What should we do? Uh, we're kind of figuring uh, it out on the fly. Yeah, because this is the
1: first episode. We uh, yeah, I don't think we know if we're gonna give these movies stars or letter grades or scale of one to ten. Uh, I, I do. I do remember. I you know because I was really cool back back then. I had uh, I had a list of all the movies I saw at the time, mm-hmm. and uh, I would give it a letter grade. Mm-hmm. And this movie at the time I definitely gave a D. 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 And I would probably give it a D now. Yeah, I think that's about right. Um it's
0: not an F. It's not a zero star movie. It's not a half star movie. Um it's it it is structured competently enough like as a movie that you're like, okay, this is something. It's mm-hmm. not good, yeah, but it's something. Given uh,
1: that there were so many reshoots and they were kind of figuring out the middle of the movie as it went along, yeah, you know, I guess it turned out could have been worse. Well, it could have been a lot worse. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, D, a D seems fine. That yeah. seems fair. I don't ever want to watch it again, though. I watched it twice for the show. Yeah, never want to watch it again.
1: I bought the DVD right from my local you own local, it now from my local book off for five dollars
0: yeah five dollars is a little steep that's hefty for a used yeah. dvd these days uh-huh. uh, but you own imposter yeah. Now. yeah how many people can say that yeah i
1: i mean i'll probably give it away at some point
0: you're not going to try and sell it back to book off maybe maybe will <laughs> give, give you like a dollar for it <laughs> And then (laughs) they'll sell it for like $5 after that again.
1: When I bought it, the guy, uh, the cashier rang me up, was like, oh, this looks pretty good. And I was just (laughs) like, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You should sell
0: it to that guy. Yeah. Maybe he'd be interested.
1: yeah, <laughs> probably wouldn't like it.
0: No, probably not. Yeah. I I don't know a lot of people that would. To yeah, to be perfectly honest, there's got to be some people out there, and I'm gonna have to do like a deep dive on the internet. That like, there's got to be like the cult of imposter. You know, maybe. Yeah, there there has to be at least one person. In yeah, my, one person that thinks like. Because a lot, a lot of the sci-fi movies, like especially from that around around this time,
1: yeah.
0: developed like kind of like a cult of personality. Like Equilibrium was super popular with us. Like,
1: yeah.
0: Then what? The next year was out of three or four.
1: No, uh, Equilibrium is a movie we will we'll eventually oh, get right. to discuss. Okay, that okay. was 02. Yeah, that came okay. out the same day okay. as uh, Analyze That.
0: Okay. All right. So Equilibrium is a future episode. <laughs> <laughs> but Equilibrium, uh, was a movie that I loved in mm-hmm. 2002. Uh, I thought it was so cool, um, and developed a lot of fans and became this kind of like sort of, uh, yeah, I don't want to say cult hit, but kind of, um, mm-hmm. And now I think it's very bad. Yeah, you,
1: like four years down the line, you watch Equilibrium. Like, if I think I watched Equilibrium like in two thousand, like five, and I was like, "Oh, this is not good."
0: Yeah, yeah, it's it's <laughs> funny what a few years away from that movie does to it. um I'm interested to rewatch it because I wonder if I, I, I wonder if I think it like. It's gonna be even worse now because I didn't like it the last time I watched it. I was like, "Oh, this was actually bad." Mm-hmm. Um, so I wonder if like I'm gonna watch it now. I think it's like the one of the worst pieces of shit I've ever seen in my entire life. Maybe like, I don't know. We'll see. But yeah, so like a lot of the a lot of the movies like had like you know dedicated fandoms, but mm-hmm. Imposter nobody talked about.
1: No, I, I haven't heard anybody talk about Imposter since 2002. Right. Yeah when I looked at the re- release calendar, I was like, "Oh yes, imposter <laughs> That's the first episode of the show
0: i maybe we should have started with something else. We should have broke the schedule just to just to get like a good pilot episode out there, I, yeah, but instead I, we're i think we're le- leading with imposter, yeah,
1: I don't know if it was me or maybe both of us were just pretty dedicated to doing this in order
0: yeah uh, yeah i mean you you came up with the original premise of going in order, so uh I mean I like the idea in theory I think mm-hmm. that it's fun uh I just hope it's... that we don't lose uh <sighs> any potential listeners because nobody gives a shit about imposter
1: <laughs> right right the, there's also there's going to be some movies down the line that people will not remember at all
0: right yeah I teased episode 2 on Twitter today which is um Orange County mhm
1: Orange County came out the following week right after imposter
0: right Uh, right yeah and uh peter travers has got the uh, quote on the cover and says it's a full tilt fun i
1: remember that full tilt fun
0: (laughs) so it remains to be seen if orange county is is indeed full tilt fun uh that's one we both saw in theaters yeah so we'll both be revisiting that Mm -hmm. one
1: yeah so that's that's going to be the next episode. That's episode 2, yeah. So, uh, yeah, go ahead and rewatch Orange County so you can be uh in the loop with what we're talking about. Yeah,
0: as of now, as of this record, it's on HBO Max. So, mm-hmm. if you do plan on rewatching Orange County uh in advance of the podcast or after the podcast, you can do it there for free if you have HBO Max.
1: Yeah, or track it down. Buy the DVD. Buy the like, DVD uh, like like I did.
0: Yeah, you, you got it for me for my birthday. Mm-hmm. So now I own Orange County on DVD. Yeah. Uh, I only own about like seven DVDs. <laughs> uh, like I own a lot of Blu-rays and 4Ks. But uh, in terms of actual DVDs, I have very little these days. So, But that's one of them.
1: Yeah, so come back and join us, right, for a discussion on uh, Orange County, directed yep. by Jake Kasdan.
0: Jake Kasdan, written by Mike White, mm-hmm. Jack Black, Colin Hanks, Katherine O'Hara. Kevin Kline. Kevin Kline, John Lithgow.
1: Ben Stiller in a cameo appearance. Who is he in that? He's I don't a, that. a firefighter, right? He, like, takes off his helmet and, oh. You know, like, oh, it's Ben Stiller. Right. I th- That might have been in the trailer, uh, maybe but also maybe not but he's for sure in it
0: and then Harold Ramis too as yeah. the uh, dean of the college mm-hmm. oh wow okay all right well that's thematically very different from Imposter. But, yeah but uh,
1: more people will remember Orange County than yeah. Imposter. yeah uh, yeah
0: well Mike White just had The White Lotus which was a big hit on HBO Max yeah. so it would be interesting to talk about kind of his career mm-hmm. um, but yeah before we sign-offs or anything else you want to hit on
1: uh i can't think of anything else uh from uh imposter that i really want to talk about if we could stop talking about it that would be great (laughs) uh no that's not true uh we do want to talk about the scene in the the hospital real quick um, uh where uh one of vince d'onofrio's cops oh yeah breaks uh or uh enters the the hospital looking for spencer Olam, right and uh he just opens fire. Opens fire and yeah. kills like three people, uh, several innocent people.
0: Yeah, he just shoots them because <laughs> he sees Spencer Olam like kind of in the background. Yeah, and then and then Spencer Olam just ducks out of the way, yeah. and, and he three just people just points meat his gun him. and
1: kind of slowly fires. Like <laughs> it seems like he has time to yeah. not kill a bunch of innocent yeah. people. Yeah, like and he
0: does. that cop is played by Gary Durden from uh, CSI, CSI, the original CSI. Yeah. CSI, yeah. yeah.
1: I mean, this is kind of a dark way to end the show, but he fa- was a famous domestic abuser, right? Gary Durden, I believe so. Oh, if, I didn't. If know not, that. we could cut this out. But
0: well, uh, I'll look it up because, because so was um so was Philip K. Dick. I found that oh. out last night. Yeah, doing some research. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that sucks.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a, a, bu- that's, a uh, that's a that's a bummer. <laughs> a bummer to end the show on. So all right, goodbye, everybody. <laughs> See you later. Yeah. Uh, no. uh... Yeah, that's just a little scene that we both thought was pretty funny.
0: That, we that was that was uh, funny. Uh, let me let me do a quick scan of my notes here, see if there's anything else.
1: Ah, uh, uh, no, that's no, about not, it. Not really. For yeah. the imposter discussion. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: imposter, uh, blandest movie. Uh, of 2002 so far yeah
1: <laughs> worst movie of 2002 so far.
0: that's true uh it'll be interesting to kind of because we have our we have our lists uh-huh. that we did for 2002 ranked it'll be interesting to t- obviously doing this project i assume we'll kind of reevaluate Now i don't think anything like anything like imposter or orange county or whatever are gonna like make drastic moves up or yeah. down the list like like, they'll probably be fairly close to their original position. But, I mean, there will be some probably shifts in rankings from yeah. original lists. And, obviously, now I get to add Impostor to my 2002 list because mm-hmm. this was the first time for me. So, it'll be interesting to kind of, like, uh, sort of keep track of our uh, yeah. our lists and the changes we make and stuff as yeah. we move through the project. And, actually, I might just, like, start a fresh list just for the show. And then compare that list at the end to my original 2002 yeah. list, so...
1: So you can compare it to what you remember.
0: Right. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah, well, that's, uh, that's all I have to say.
0: Okay. Um, well, check us out um, on Twitter, 2002 Podcast. Uh, we're on there. Uh, we're also going to be on Instagram. Hopefully the same handle. I'll
1: figure that out in the next few days. Yeah. Um, and we promise to talk about more interesting movies. Well yeah, we Eventually. promise
0: Yeah, like we're we're kind of at the mercy of the release schedule, mm-hmm. so after Orange County we've got snow dogs, so it's snow it's dogs. not uh it's not not exactly starting with barn burners, but you know, we, we do what the schedule demands.
1: Yes. Right. So thank you very much for listening. Yeah, thanks.
0: And uh Bye. Goodbye, everybody.